Welcome back to Clocks on the Stove with your host, Grayson Fisher. Big Meats cannot join us today, sadly. But so with the Olympics going on, I was like, let's get some high-level wrestlers to talk about some Olympic wrestling going on before it starts. So with us today, we got Chris Foca, Julian Ramirez, Foca, New Jersey State champ, Fargo champ, which is high school freestyle nationals, uh, five-time U.S. national team member, also ranked number eighth in the U.S. men Olympic rankings for 86 kilograms, New Jersey native. Julian Ramirez, Florida native, from Miami, transitioned his way to Tampa, went up to uh, New Jersey to wrestle out of Blair Academy. Uh, now two-time Florida State champ, two-time national prep champ, four-time U.S. national team member, both of them currently on the Cornell wrestling team now. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Not too bad, not too bad. Doing, doing all right, not too bad myself. What's the weather like up there right now in Ithaca? It's actually pretty nice out today. It's like um, the sun's – Blazing, but there's a nice chill of wind, so it's a great day. Yeah, like it's 70, 75 and sunny. Pretty nice. Yeah, I'm gonna let my dogs out real quick to being a being a pain in the behind. Oh, God. Oh, do you want to go to the gorgeous today? I have to pack my entire like house. I'm busy the entire day. Sorry for that. So when, when does it usually start to get like like uncomfortably cold in Ithaca? When is it like I know I know folk up. I know you both have lived in Jersey, but I feel like Ithaca is just a different breed of cold than Jersey is. For sure. Well, I mean, Grayson, if you come up here, you'd probably freeze like now, but I'd say maybe Halloween time. No, no. It'd be bad for Grayson probably. like, Dude, if it gets below 70, it's bad. Like late September. <laughs> like late September. Nah, but it's a different cold. It's not as cold as like Florida. Well, yeah, our humidity makes it colder. I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about uh, – let's get into this wrestling. So for everyone that doesn't know, uh, you guys actually just lost your head coach this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there for as, as long as I could remember him being there. So a little backstory before we, we, we uh, tap into this with some details. Stanford wrestling uh, – their Stanford athletic department cut 11 programs because of COVID this past season past, – this past year with wrestling being one of them with uh, – if I mess up anything, guys, please help me out, but – they had a top 25 ranked team with a bunch of young guns. And they actually had some good prospects in high school that were committed there, cut the program, their boosters and fundraisers raised it up. So they had enough money for what, like 50 seasons or something insane like that. I think it was, some, I don't know how many seasons, but they, I they raised was, enough money to have a season, but like regardless, like 30, $40 million. Yeah. Like millions of dollars. The, the university still said no. And these kids were like, you know what? We love this school. We love, we love, the people were already committed. Like, we want to win NCAAs. Let's do this. So they just flipped their singlets inside out and wrestled the season as, as like, unattached, right? And then Shane Griffith ended up winning a national championship, uh, winning NCAAs for Stanford. And then that obviously caused Stanford to be like, all right, we're going to reopen our wrestling program. And their number one option was was uh, y'all's head coach. So what, what's that like for you guys right now, the transition, you know, with uh, starting up this season, you know, where I would say we're getting close to preseason, right? What, what, what's it been like different, the same? What's what's the vibe been like for you guys, you know, with, you know, the guy that kind of brought you into the program no longer being there and now there's a new person in charge? So one thing was that this was Stanford's last season that was confirmed while the sports were getting canceled. So this was their last confirmed season. This was their last straw. And Shane Griffith went out and he actually, I think, single-handedly brought back 11 sports in winning a national title. 100%. No. By doing that, I think that was that was pretty sick. 
Yeah, it's pretty dope. Yeah. But um, not nah, to answer your question though, I would say Cole was great for the program, and he did a lot for this program. He was here for like twenty five to twenty eight years. For as long uh, as I can remember, Cordell wrestling. Yeah, I remember him being there. I mean, it's, he's been here for forever. But um, a lot of the school's support goes far further than Coach Cole. I mean, the alumni they're all grateful to Coach Cole, but in the end of the day, they still love Cornell wrestling. And like when all you need for a good successful program is a good athletic director and on a good alumni base that will support you guys. And having coach Gray move up from assistant coach to head coach, I think it was a phenomenal um, position for him. I think it was great for the team. I think he's, he brought in three of the best coaches in the country virtually. I mean, I could say that Donnie and Kellen are phenomenal coaches and um, from what I know, I mean, everyone knows Gwiz is one of the best wrestlers, but from what I've seen, he's also a great coach so far. So I'm really, I really like all three of them on a personal level as well. And I think it's, it's going to be very cool because he's coach Cole like to get it, raise a lot of money and hold on to it. So we had a lot of money, but we have a lot of money. So coach Gray is going to use some of that money for good. Um, yeah. You know, coach Cole, he's been there. Upwards of three decades now, you know, and uh, like Julian was saying, but he definitely set an incredible foundation for our program and for Gray to step up and and to inherit such like such guns right now. We have all the tools to, I believe, win a national title. So that's awesome. So would you say? Would you say so? Like um, we talked about this off camera before, but just to get everyone in the loop, we talked about you like you know when you're at a big time program like in any sport, like Nick Saban at Alabama or, um, you know, Jimbo Fisher, when he used to be at Florida State, or excuse me, Bobby Bowden used to be at Florida State, or your coach at Cornell, it's like, yeah, that he was the head coach, but the system's kind of the same, right? You know, so would you say that your culture system really changed that much, or it was kind of the same flow with just a, like maybe a little bit different tweaks here and there? I think, I think the system's going to stay pretty close to the same. Um, the one thing that is going to be different is Coach Gray and Kyle – uh, Kyle hasn't really been a coach per se, but Kyle has a lot of say in what happens in the program always has. Yeah. I wonder why. I mean, besides the fact that he's good at wrestling, he's born and raised in Lansing. He's a Cornell bled person. Mm -hmm. So he has a, the program's best interest at heart always, but coach Cole was kind of like the man and he was the, like the man for a while. So like they, he would take a lot of things from them, but I'd say he kind of reserve a lot of things to be like, his way. So I think a few, few minor tweaks and maybe how we train, how we try and peak for, comp uh, for competition might change. Um, but for the most part, no, everything stay. you were right though. Everything stays pretty much close knit to the same. Um, Donnie's already been part of our program under coach Cole. Uh, he left for those of you don't, who don't know, he left for a few years to NC state, but um, came back and returned as now our second head, our second coach. So he's a second coach in line. It's a pretty it's a pretty cool little setup we got. Yeah, I just feel like when when you have a program as successful as as Cornell and like like I like the Nick Saban reference too cuz it was like if you take even when they took Nick Saban out for that one week they didn't change anything, you know, the motors that I feel like when you're at that high of a level, the head coach is more of like the guiding path. He's not like the one that's like building the blocks, just like that hand on. He's like the one that oversees everything and like outlines it and then the, those are the pieces that attack. And I feel like when you have a successful program like Cornell, which has been at the top of the wrestling for decades, you know, producing national and world champions for decades, it's it's just like 
you don't want to mess, mess it up too much. There's a reason it was working, you know, and I feel like that's probably good for you guys, at least in my opinion, that he's not tweaking it too much. Now in the aspects of recruiting, do you think recruiting is going to be completely different now that there's a new face for the program? No, if anything, I think it's going to increase from here. We have Kyle Dake, who's going to hopefully win a, an Olympic gold. And I believe that he will. And, uh, I, I see ourselves winning a national title this year. Coach Gray's – As a team. You excellent. See, wait, a team. pause. You see Cornell winning NCAAs this year? I believe so. I can yeah. see it. Damn. As I think, a team. Oh, boy, you know, every uh, red boy. I mean, y'all already at UPenn, those are my teams. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even uh, Coach I, Gray I is like – every day, Grayson. And, like, I'd say, like, me and Folk are big factors in that because, like, we're both two people who – we could low-key, I mean, I don't think it happened, but we could both lose round of 12 or we could win it. So, yeah. like, if we win it, that's our, you know what I mean? That's our national title right there. You have Yanni, Vito. I mean, those are almost two locks. Yeah, I was going to say, they're pretty damn close to being locks. I mean, Yanni's a lock almost for sure. And then Vito, like, he wants to wrestle. Yeah, Dars Mass. Dars, how do you pronounce his last name? Darmstadt. Yeah, him too. He's got to tweak some things. I mean, he's da- on track. If Darmstadt, if Darmstadt's head is there and injury is not a factor, and injury is always going to be a factor with him, but if his head is there and not focusing on the injuries, he's hard, hard to beat. For sure. What were you, uh, what were you, good, get back to what you were saying, Foka? Oh, wait, what was I saying about uh, recruiting? About, yeah, recruiting. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, with Kyle in the room, all these all these new RTC guys, we picked up a bunch um, with our hopeful success this season. I feel like that's going to attract a lot of eyes our way. And, like, we've had very, very high recruiting classes in the past few years anyway. So I feel like the room's just going to continue to grow. I don't, I don't think it's going to make any, any, uh, any significant change. For those people that probably don't know, the reason why Grayson asked this question is because Coach Cole – and our other coach who also left, Cape Dean, was were the two recruiters of the team. And, like, although we, um, our team speaks for itself, like, they were both great recruiters in their own aspects. And Coach Cole was probably one of the best recruiters I've ever met. But I don't think that'll be too much of a problem because Coach Gray did a great job in bringing in Donnie, who, honestly, I don't know much recruiters better than Donnie. Um, Donnie was the first one who recruited me at Cornell. And, um, honestly, he's probably one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come here. He really told me how great this program was. And when I, when I, when he's opened up and went to NC state, he literally texted me and said, Hey, Julian, like, I'm not going to recruit you. I think Cornell is the place for you. And he goes, I hope everything works for you. And, um, I hope we cross paths again. And now look at, look at Donnie here, fast forward four years. I'm still a freshman. <laughs> He's going to be my coach now. Yeah, it's yeah. great because I couldn't be happier with having Coach Gray, who is easily one of the best technicians in the country as, as far as a coach is concerned. And then you have Donnie, who's a great coach, a phenomenal recruiter. Callan, I'm pretty sure, was a recruiter for Michigan. So, like, the, we have two great recruiters there. And then Gwiz is – speaks for itself it's like we have Gwiz and Kyle Dave bro yeah and I feel like when you're at a school like like Cornell like Cornell especially like when you have not only the prestige it, 
it's kind of a thing where I feel like it doesn't really matter who's there or what y'all are doing. You're going to get kids. It's too historic of a program that education speaks for itself. Like, you know, if you go and wrestle at Cornell, you're wrestling with the most elite kids in the country, the most elite coaches in the country, and you're getting one of the best degrees in the country. You know, so I feel like regardless of who's there, obviously minor tweaks are going to change a couple things. You know, like if you have a coach from California, you might be pulling them a little bit harder. Like, you know, obviously stuff like that's going to be different. But I feel like overall, it's really hard. It's really hard to ruin a, a, a team like Cornell. It's really hard to, to ruin a culture like that. So speaking on, on Cornell. Actually strengthened as well. Yeah, yeah. So 100%. But let's talk about, let's talk about this past season. So – Y'all, uh, the Ivy League didn't approve um, any any sports to happen this this at least this fall and winter. So what was what was that like? You know, being super excited, you hearing that wrestling coming back, and then for you guys to find out you can't be a part of it, and then see these other guys that some guys you've beaten, some guys that you haven't that are all Americaning or winning NCAA titles while you just had to sit there and watch. What what was that like for you? You know, not being able to to compete during the season and attack and and you know chase your childhood dream of being an NCAA champ. I'll let Julian go first here. I mean, it definitely sucked, but I saw it coming. I mean, like I was actually talking to my mom about this today. Like, I couldn't say I was surprised when our season was canceled. Like, um, not to get too political here, but like Ivy Leagues kind of are very, very in their own way, and they don't mind doing things differently. And um, I think everything that's happening in this in the country right now, the Ivy Leagues very much like are big supporters of that. And the fact that COVID was an issue, like they saw it to be a huge problem way more than it than some people may think it is. And um, so it was not surprising that our season was canceled. However, yes, it sucked. Every weekend watching dual meets, um, watching people wrestle, like it was like, dude, like, we should be there. Like we were ranked number two in the country to start the season. Princeton was ranked like seven. Penn was ranked like 18. Like I, without the Ivy leagues, that's a whole different fucking tournament. Oh yeah, dude. Especially with you, the, like you said, the, the rise of UPenn, you got some hammers at Princeton. You got the whole Harvard, team of Cornell. Harvard, Harvard got has, some hammers. Yeah. Harvard has some guys. Columbia has like one guy. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it, that's, are you Every all bracket? are you all EIWA? Yes. So yeah. that's like half a conference just gone. Well, the whole conference was gone. I mean, yeah. Navy and Army almost won. That they, is insane to me. Like, yeah, like mm-hmm. not to say they're not, they're not good teams, but they're usually getting fifth. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, or they have like a couple like individual hammers that do pretty well, but they're not usually like a like a like a whole team that wins that. It's usually like you and Lehigh that run that. And Princeton. yeah, yeah, and Princeton. Us, and Princeton. But yeah, I mean, Binghamton's not a bad team, but like in the end of the day, like if Binghamton's taking fourth, like no, yeah, they don't, they, don't, they shouldn't be taking fourth, hundred percent. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that on on it, Boca? Though, like, what was it like going through without being able to participate? So what I what I'm gonna say is that in all honesty, it was bittersweet, and it was bitter because. Our season got canceled. We didn't get to wrestle an NCAA season. We lost a year, all that stuff. Well, we didn't lose a year, but we're there for another extra year. No no big deal. We still have the four. But I think it was real sweet because, on the other hand, we did get a full year of wrestling with competition that we otherwise wouldn't have got. 
me and Julian, Yanni, we all got to wrestle some of the best guys in the whole country in freestyle. And this past year, we just stuck to freestyle. We wrestled freestyle through and through. Um, I mean, I had a match set up with David Taylor, all, all this stuff. So in a way, I'm real thankful to be able to have that type of a season. Honestly, it's such a young age, too. But so although, it sucks, although it sucked to not have a season, it was also nice to be able to wrestle freestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to feed off that, I prefer freestyle over folk style all day. I have my for years. So definitely bittersweet because mm-hmm. as much as I'd love to win an NCAA title, freestyle is so much more fun. And like, like he said, like not only did we get an extra year of training, that extra year of training with, was with Yanni Vito, Max Dean, Gabe Dean, Josh Saunders, and Kyle Dake. Kyle Dake. Yeah. Like, I knew I was forgetting one. I forgot the best one. Now, now, do you think – so, like, always – I feel like this is always a topic talked about when it comes to international wrestling. Do you think that we should be focused – we should just stop trying to have folks out be a thing? 100%. Yeah, because you see, especially in the younger ages, like our youth, like I'd say pre-high school, they when they wrestle, like, internationally, they get clapped by, like, Russia or, like, Iran because those kids are just grinding freestyle, and I feel like – I honestly don't understand why we're the only country that hasn't transitioned into starting our youth just doing straight freestyle. I think I mean, freestyle has definitely become more prominent in the younger ages over the last few years, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm way more of a freestyle fan. Don't get me wrong, but folk style does teach you to be tough. If you watch the Americans on the highest level that are winning matches, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Day, David Taylor, mm-hmm. whenever, whenever they're in rubber matches or real tight matches at the end, they usually pull through because they know mentally they they've been there before they've done that they're tough you know no, folk style is yeah, real hard. Style, why does folk style instill that in them and not freestyle? And before you answer, real quick, for everyone that doesn't know, folk style is what we do in America up to, uh, high school and college and like younger, and it's more based on like control on top. You get riding points, you can turn, you get you get pin points. Freestyle is more roll and back exposure points, so it's more of a faster paced. The, the scoreboards get run up higher and we're the only country that I believe that doesn't do freestyle from since youth. I mean, well, South it, Africa it doesn't, doesn't either. But. Yeah. In South Africa, but yeah, go on. Why do, why do you think that the folk style builds the toughness and instills toughness that, that freestyle doesn't? I, I think I, although like, I do think that's a true statement Foka, but I think that has nothing to do with folk, folk style as much as it used to. I think that was a big factor in the seventies and eighties. And it's what made us good back then. But um, mm-hmm. I think that's changed a lot because, I mean, like, yeah, like Kyle, D- DT, JB, like they're phenomenal, phenomenal in clutch moments. And, yes, they are going to wrestle hard all six minutes. But I think that has to do more with just training. Like you, you just named three of our most phenomenal wrestlers. <laughs> like Kyle Dake is arguably a better technician than most Russians. DT has – can ankle pick just about anybody. DT's timing is impeccable. His body and, build is beautiful. And Jordan Burroughs' explosiveness, it's unmatchable. Unmatchable. So, like, yes, like, I think toughness does play a factor, but I think that has to do a lot with our training. I mean, Russia, Russians train differently, and um, it works, obviously, but there's also other reasons we beat them. You know what I mean? And I think toughness is definitely the fact that we beat them, but I don't know if folks now automatically translate to that. Yeah. yeah. Also, also as a kid, like getting rid of folk style would also get rid of like tradition, like uh, culture wrestling in America 
up through high school and college, kids want to win state titles. Kids want to win NCAA titles. Like that's, that's what a lot of kids have as their highest goal. So, I mean, why not just make uh, the more freestyle and just keep the same, the same tournaments. It'd be really hard to transition to that. No, yeah, you it would it would, you wouldn't be able to do it overnight. It would be like a three to four five year process of slowly transitioning. Like, be longer than that. I yeah, think but, I think we are transitioning. Why not, dude? Even from from the aspect of someone that doesn't know wrestling and they're watching it, it is way more enjoyable to watch a freestyle match than a folk style match. Like a high, like talking about the highest level. Yeah, it's way more enjoyable. I don't understand. It, it would get our it would get our our teams better. Get our kids better from a younger age. Like I just. I, I didn't get into freestyle to my senior year of high school. Like, I can't even imagine how much better my overall wrestling would have been if I started at a younger age, you know? Mm-hmm. There's more of an emphasis on it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we are transitioning slowly. Um, I think it's going to take a while, a lot, a lot longer than three, four years. But I think we are transitioning slowly just because, like, the rules in folk style, and it starts at the national, the, the college level, they've already been changing. Like, yes, we still have writing time and all that. But out of bounds rules are starting to be a little more imp- implemented, and that's like something in freestyle where you can get a push out, and like stalling is almost and also exposure in folk style now. So like you can't be rolling on your back all all day long because if you are, you're just gonna give up a takedown. Yeah, and I remember when I um when I was committed to Mount Union to wrestle, and I went and visited there, and we were talking to their coach. He was saying that they're even making like the college rules a little more like exposure is quicker now you need less exposure to get back swipes now and like he says that he thinks they're doing that to start getting us prepared for for uh freestyle because even the slightest exposure in freestyle they're hitting you too you know they they want they want you active they don't want you they don't want you being slow and i feel like that's that's part of the small steps we're taking but i don't know i personally think we should start going in that direction but i mean you guys know more than i do you're at a way higher level than i am but that's just what i personally believe no uh i i probably agree that like nine I'd say like good 75% of like the highest level wrestlers all agree to that statement but like a lot of them also just prefer folk style which is a huge problem I think in its own factor like I think folk style is great I like some of it but I also think it's just pointless like our Greco like and not anything not anything against our Greco team like I, I have a lot of friends in Greco it's part of the reason why like um, I feel so strongly about this is our Gecko team is not good. Like, yes, every now and then we have a guy who does perform really, really well at the yeah, world stage, yeah. but like in Jangela Hancock, uh, Robbie Smith, like, um, there's more, but like, it's just like, it's kind of like annoying to just know that like, all right, yeah, you made the Greco world team now. Good luck because yeah. all those guys wrestle Greco all year long since mm-hmm. they were five years old oh, yeah, you that's wrestling cool. folk style since you were five years old and started exactly. wrestling Greco when you were 12 maybe maybe exactly <laughs> like, also the thing is too with that julian too it's like oh you won fargo and greco sick you know you yeah. went to fargo freestyle everyone's like dude that's awesome you went <laughs> dude, you're there at greco fargo like the two days after one fourth of the people are there one fourth yeah. of the recruiters are there one fourth of the media is there one fourth of the participants are there it is completely just shrugged off which it shouldn't be because greco is one of the hardest forms of wrestling in the world Greco's hard hard yeah all, all greco guys are strong there's no, no support and love to it because it's looked at as like the third most important wrestling we do which it shouldn't be shit. you know and that's why i think another reason we should start be doing this from a younger age but speaking of 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 publicity what what are what are some things you think you guys think we we could do as a country 
to make wrestling more well-known, make it more mainstream, more popular because it's, it's the original Olympic sport. And yet they only, they only allow six weight classes in the Olympics. No one in America besides maybe Jordan Burroughs knows who anyone wrestling in wrestling is like, it, it, it's, I don't, I don't know what we can do, but what do you think we could do to make it more mainstream, more popular and get guys getting contracts and getting paychecks and making it a sport you can make a living off of rather than right now. It's just like, you can only win worlds and some of you guys still have to work a job, you know, cause you can't financially, you're not financially stable unless you have your own clothing line, your own shoe, unless you're like a Kyle Snyder or something like that. I think we're taking all the right steps right now between sponsorships, RTC athletes, uh, our world team, and uh, promoting ourselves social media wise, like Roman Bravo Young does a very good job of marketing himself. Uh, AJ Ferrari too. Uh, but but making themselves big names like collegiately, I think that NIL decision to allow college athletes to sponsor, like get sponsors and all that, is definitely going to be big to have them promote their name. And by wrestlers, which I believe is one of, if not the hardest sport in college wrestling. Uh, by those successful wrestlers promoting themselves, putting their name out there, I feel like it's definitely going to make the sport more public, show people, like, really what, what it's about. I mean, I agree with Chris uh, a lot. Um, I wanted him to start off because I didn't really know what to say because pretty much the same. I think we're all taking the right – I think we're taking the right directions toward it. I mean, just to, like, be an example, like, Gable – Yanni and Roman are all three college athletes. Spencer as well. They're four college athletes who all have as many, if not more followers than Kyle Dake, David Taylor, um, Kyle Snyder, even, you know what I'm saying? Like the only one who has more followers is Jordan Burroughs. And like you said, like that's our most well-known. Yeah, that's different. He's a face. He's a face. I mean, Yanni, Yanni Diakamahalis has more Instagram followers than a few of our Olympic swimmers right now. That just won gold medals, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like, especially like, I mean, granted, it's obviously biased. It's a, it's a school and like we're in the state of New York, but you go pretty much anywhere in New York. And like a lot of people know who Yanni is, whether it's a Greek kid or just that kid that wrestles, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so I, I'd say like wrestling is definitely taking the right steps for that. Um, there's actually probably a lot more money than a lot of people think there is in wrestling it's starting to pop off. But the thing with wrestling is that, yes, like there's a lot of money when you're number one or number two, but big drop off. Yeah. But I think the NIL is going to be huge for that because here you have with Yanni's four, you have other kids like Roman who's probably like eight or something, you know what I'm saying? Like they could all make a lot more money on that stage and not clear. 100%. Now, do you think that the rise of, of mixed martial arts in the UFC, you think that's hurt it or helped? Excuse no. me. Hurt. Well, Definitely. Helps huge. Definitely helps, especially with rest, with uh, fighters and and mixed martial artists that have a wrestling background. You see them at the highest stage performing very well. I mean, of course, you need to be all around, but anytime that there's a fighter or competitor with a wrestling background, they always take a second to explain their accolades, their upbringing, all that. So definitely, yeah, definitely. the wrestling community in MMA is super tight. I'd say it's the tightest out of everything. You know, and, and that's from being a mixed martial artist myself. But, like, I, I, I agree it helps, especially when you have what you saw the statistic that was posted the other day is, like, 29 out of, like, 40 UFC champions that have a background of wrestling. You know, mm-hmm. it, it shows its dominance. And they just announced the, the, the card in November 
is literally the the main and co-main are all college wrestlers. It's it's Usman versus Colby, and then it's it's Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. That's Missouri wrestling. That's UNC. That's University of Northern Colorado wrestling. That's Oregon State wrestling. That's Nebraska Regional Training Center wrestling. You know, so yeah. it's showing the dominance of these athletes, and it's showing how impactful wrestling is as a sport. Daniel Cormier did an amazing job. Henry Cejudo did an amazing job. Even John Jones wrestled two years of JUCO. You know, so like yeah. it shows how. Yeah, you know what? You might lack in boxing. You might lack in jiu-jitsu. You might lack in kickboxing. You might lack in these little things, but your wrestling automatically jumps you high enough that being able to control if the fight stays on the feet or go to the ground, it's so impactful. And I feel like people are starting to see that now, and you're starting to see a lot of wrestlers like Bryce Meredith, myself, Nick Piccinini, um, the Yada, the other Yada dude from uh, Oklahoma State. I can't remember his name. Um, yeah, I know you're talking. Yeah, but they're all transitioning now because they're realizing, yo – yeah, we don't have this X amount of years of boxing, but we can slam you on your face for 15 minutes and win the fight. Yeah. Like that's gotta- the, most, the most flattering thing for me, uh, this happened recently too. Say about a month and a half ago, Julian and I were down in Miami, just uh, like driving around, taking tours around the city. And uh, he was meeting up with some of his friends. One of them was an intern at a, at a promoting agency. And as we were walking out, we saw Masvidal. And we were wearing Cornell wrestling stuff and, he was just talking very highly of the wrestlers. He knew Kyle Dake, he knew Yanni. And uh, I think, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, he, yeah. he had that level of respect for them. Yeah, same right. for me. I thought it was dope. I mean, he, Masvidal is not a wrestler. And honestly, like, yes, were we there waiting to talk to Masvidal 100%. But we didn't <laughs> walk up to him. He walked up to us. You know what I mean? Like, he just saw our shirts and was like, oh, like, this conversation would interest me. And then the second I left, I went to check like this guy's followers. For one, he has 8 million followers. Yeah. Two, he follows three wrestlers in the wrestling community. That's Yanni, Kyle, and JL. And those are, well, they're my probably three favorite wrestlers, biased to two of them because they're my teammates. But I love JL as well. So I just thought that was really interesting that like how much he has respect for the wrestling community. And like when he was talking to us, he, obviously knew what was going on yeah no it's cool and then like you got guys now like joe rogan who has the biggest platform in the world when it comes to, to social media and podcasts and he's having jordan burroughs on dan gable. Having, uh gable excuse me dan gable on you know so i feel like like you guys said it's definitely like guys like mazadol 10 15 years ago didn't even touch wrestling in their entire life they didn't even care about it and now it's to the point where they're be- he's became such an elite fighter he's realized like damn i need wrestling and i respect what these guys are doing you know when you get hammers like you guys, Bo Nickel, uh, all these guys that are coming in and training with them. And these fighters are realizing, wow, this kid has no MMA experience, but he's able to take me down whenever he wants. I got to fix that. You know? Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely something I feel like is, is helping wrestling get bigger as well. You know, for sure. And I think, I think the the biggest thing to help it is title nine ruined wrestling, man. Title nine killed wrestling. What, what, for, so before we get into this, what everyone doesn't know, Title IX was signed, I want to say, in the late 90s, early 2000s. When when was it? Earlier in the 80s? Like early 80s, mid-80s. Okay, so what it did is um, – I, I don't know which president. I want to say it was Nixon, I think. What? I don't know which president it was, but one of uh, – a president. They, they signed off saying that every college, every university in the entire country needs to have the same amount of men's sports and women's sports for equality. So what happened is any any school that had like 
leftover teams, they just cut the wrestling. They cut the wrestling. So you well, saw all these teams. Not the same amount as teams, as amount as money going into the Money, team. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was an equality factor regardless. And it yeah. just killed wrestling, which which bothers me the most because wrestling is a traditional sport. It's like, I don't care your opinions on wrestling. It, it is the num- It was the first sport ever that humans ever competed in was wrestling. Like it, it, it should be mandatory that every school has wrestling in my opinion. Regardless yeah. if you like it or not, it's the OG sport. There would not be anything else without wrestling. It went wrestling. And I mean, big time schools like like you look at Syracuse and Clemson drop their programs. You know, yeah, Clemson, LSU, LSU, Boise State, LSU, yeah, Oregon, drop their wrestling LSU, program. LSU had a national champ. Tennessee was always good. Yeah, um, Georgia had a good team one year. UF, had UF yeah, UF had a. Uh, I remember talking to my high school coach Bricker, and he said they had amazing facilities. And then they were like, you know what, do it. We're just gonna make another another workout room for the football team. Just tore it all up. You know, and I think that's that's definitely an issue. And the problem is, is when when regarding that issue and getting involved with it, it's too political. People hate talking about it. They want to talk about equality and all this. Blah blah. blah. I mean, I'm, I being at the level of wrestling I'm at, I talk to a lot of people about it, like a lot of coaches, a lot of athletic directors, and whenever I bring up the conversation, it's always like, just stop trying. Yeah, you know that it's like the only or, or good luck. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm like, dude, you're talking to somebody who grew up from Miami. I went to Tampa. You know, I like Florida's my home. In the end of the day, Florida's where I'm from, and I love Florida. But if I want to go to school somewhere close to Florida, my my closest option is Citadel. And no, not, no, you're Chattanooga. No, Citadel's closer. It's South Carolina. South. So. And then, but like realistically, I'd probably go to like UNC. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. saying. Like that's, I mean, the, I'd say the closest like powerhouse is probably Missouri. Missouri, yeah. UNC is closer. Yeah, but that's still far, dude. That's really far for for oh, being close. That's three states away. It's nine hours from yeah. Tampa. Yeah, that's that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Versus guys like Foca are what three hours from home, four hours from home. Yeah, I'm four hours from home right now. That's cake. That's cake. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I was, I, like I was telling folk about this when we were driving up. Like, bro, you're three hour drive away. I'm a three hour flight away. If yeah. something happens to my family or a friend of mine, like, I can't just like drop everything, leave for a day, and come back tomorrow. You plan for it. I gotta like, yeah, like I gotta pay five hundred dollars if I want to buy a flight today. No, and it sucks too from like the aspect of where Julian was going off of, like being from the southeast and being from Florida, like. There's so many guys that Julie and I know that are easily division one caliber, but they couldn't afford to go far away or they didn't want to leave their family. So they end up going NAIA to stay in Georgia or Florida. And it sucks. There's so many of them that were so good. And it, it also hurts our sport down here because like kids aren't like, Oh, I can go just go to my local college and go wrestle D one. No, I got to go three States away, you know? So it, it hurts that where they can go play football. There's five or six division one football programs just in the state of Florida. You know what I mean? Like, it's so different. Like baseball, all of that. And it's just – it sucks, man. It really does. And I hope that, like we said, it, it starts getting to that. We start slowly getting that way. But I don't know. It's it's hard. But let's uh, let's let's transition a little into the Olympic wrestling. So we got uh, we got five guys wrestling. We got Thomas Gilman representing at 57 kilograms. We have no one at 65. At 74 kilograms, we got Kyle Dake, 86. We have David Taylor, 97. We have Kyle Snyder. 125 kilograms. We got Gable Stevenson. If y'all want to like break it down a little bit, tell us, you know, some big matches we should watch out for, some upsets, uh, who you think uh, can do the best in our lineup, who you think should do the worst, just anything involving Olympic wrestling. Personally, and I'll let Julian pick it up from here, but 
I've seen our Olympic wrestling team since probably as early as I could trace, maybe 1960. And I think this is probably our most promising wrestling team that to, to represent the United States in the Olympics. This is a very good team. I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, Worlds is always a huge different factor because we have 10 guys, you know, no matter what, like 10 guys are going. And when we have 10 guys, like, it's way easier for us to, like, actually compete at the top level because we have all our biggest hammers. When you narrow it down to six weight classes, now you have, like, not only just six, but you have to, like, we only have five. Exactly, uh, yeah. Well, then you're getting your, your ones. You're getting your, your ones and twos are facing each other in the same weight instead of spreading out to four weight classes, three to four weight classes. Yeah. So um, it's always easier because if somebody has a bad day, somebody doesn't wrestle well. But, like, I would say this team is very promising. Um, from top to bottom, Gilman has a silver world medal. Um, the next weight class would be J.O. Then Kyle, uh, Kyle's a two-time world champ. He just beat a nine-time world team member. Um, then you have David Taylor, who, you know, he's already a world champ. Name speaks for itself. He beat Yazdani twice. Um, Yazdani's name speaks for itself. He's an Iranian, for those of you who don't know wrestling. And then Snyder. Sn Snyder's definitely the hardest one to say. Like, he has, like, like he has the hardest contender. I mean, he's wrestling the best guy pound for pound at, like, at the moment. From Russia, uh, Suladev. Yeah, set alive. Set alive. Uh, I think he, I, I think he could do it. I wouldn't say it's like not in his capabilities, but like Snyder's definitely a hardcore second. Like I, I couldn't see him losing to anybody else. Oh yeah, I see those two. Like I'm not, I'm not saying Snyder beats him, but I feel like those two separate themselves from everyone else in that weight class. Yeah, I mean they've squared off in the world finals twice. Uh, Snyder and Set alive both one and one against each other, but. In this Olympics, they're both returning. Snyder beat him in the very end, breaking him, and then he whooped Snyder the second time. Yeah. But this Olympics, they're both returning Olympic champs. In 2016, uh, Sajulayev was the 86 champ, and in 2016, Snyder was the 97 champ. So, um, and then Gable, Gable, Gable's actually funny because, like – in reality, Gable could go to the Olympics and go 0 and 1, and that'd be it. And it would suck, but like it's possible. We don't know because he's he's so young. Gable's only eight months older than me. Exactly. I'm pretty sure. No, there's no. Uh, I'm there's pretty no sure. Yeah, there's pretty no. Um, what's it? What, what am I trying to look for? There's no. There's nothing to, the, to compare him to. You know, there's not yeah. like a. Oh, like, well, expected to do this because of this. Like he has no past. Like everything he does this Olympics is the beginning of his history starting. Yeah. You know, like he has. And, he hasn't solidified anything yet. He's too young. I mean, he's, I mean, he's a three-time world champion at uh, age group divisions, but he won two cadet world titles. His for his third cadet year, he won a junior world title. Like the kid's a beast. Always been a no, beast. No, I'm not, yeah, I'm not taking that away from him. And, no, no. But like his best credentials are he's a Pan Am champ, which exactly no offense to Pan Ams, but like we saw besides Cuba. That's what I was trying to say. It's not like when we're talking about David Taylor, we're talking about Gilman, you know, a world champion, world runner up, guys that have won the US Open, you know, he hasn't done any of that yet. Not that he's not good enough. Like you say, he's his just best, his best win is Gwiz. Yeah, 100%. Who was a two time bronze medalist, a, a fifth placer. Like, yeah, 100%. Hey, all I have to say about this is that, hey, sometimes it's all it takes. Yeah. Sometimes, because Gable, Gable's definitely a guy that you've seen over the years close the gap on these top guys, and now he's the guy. 
and definitely sometimes just breaking through is all it takes. He's got he's got the Pan Am Championship, and yeah, that might not be much, but you see these Russian guys that don't really have much, but once they break the ice, they'll win worlds. You know. But now, now, now that I've been saying all these things about how like it's very possible Gable loses and goes zero one, my actual opinion is Gable's gonna win. I don't think Gable's losing, and Absolutely. I think he's super athletic. Um, he's technical for that size. He's a freak athlete for his size. Like, like he's probably gonna go WWE, but the man could go the NFL route and do yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal. UFC or UFC with cake. Great. Yeah, he he can do anything, and that's why Gable has such a stand, has such a huge following because the amount of football players, uh, WWE fans that follow him. Like it's actually, fans, like everyone, everyone, like yeah, his potential, the kid, the kid has the utmost potential in the world. So much potential. It's and backing but, off what, what Foka said, there's two ways in my opinion, this goes, when you get a guy like Gable, he has no past, no past accomplishments or tournaments or, or, or matches where he can be like, all right, I know how this guy does I this. So he's either going to come in fresh minded thinking, like he has no fear yet. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't have fear yet. So he's going to go in there and run or the not having fear is going to make him have more fear. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know Gable though. And Gable's probably one of the most confident people I've ever met. Which is key. That's very good. And I'm not saying I I want him to win. I want all of the Americans to win. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying when you get a scenario like this with someone for the first time on a big stage and they have no past fear experience they either go in with the utmost confidence because they have no fear or they go in with extra fear because they have no fear so that's going to be interesting to see i i believe he's going to be fine you know i think he's going to be calm cool collective that we don't know we really don't know until it happens but i I think another big thing for him is like i mean he's hanging out with kyle with david taylor with gilman all week you know what i'm saying like well longer than that probably months right no i mean at this point yeah they've been on and they'll hang they have camps for two weeks going on every month so two weeks for the last two months they've they've seen each other and then now they're they've been in japan doing absolutely nothing twiddling their fingers going to practice together talking probably talking about how how exciting it's going to be when they all win world uh, now now let's 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 break your all brains open a little right so what are the three biggest men's freestyle matches that you are anticipating that you hope happens and and what do you think we probably going at least two of the same so first yeah, of all i'm gonna go gotta be snyder not slider solid or whatever his name is my number one is kyle dake versus zarbeck cedarkov yep. he's from russia and what's his what's his credentials what's he looking like two-time world champion he beat chamizo and jordan burrows at the last two world championships um yeah. He's more clutch than Jordan Burroughs. I mean, he literally outclutched Jordan Burroughs in both matches. Now, are him and mm-hmm. are him and Dake in the same side of the bracket? We don't know yet. Bracket hasn't been drawn yet. Maybe even drawn. Oh, Maybe the one if they're seed. smart, they're going to separate them. Chamizo's the one seed. No, Cedarkov is a three. So I think it's a better chance that nah. Kyle. I think Kyle. I, I think. I mean, this is just my guess. It could literally go anywhere, but I think Kyle's going to see him second round. Second round. Because I don't think they're going to give it to him first round because that would just be a total slap in the face. It, kill the it, was announced, it was announced two months ago that Kyle's going into the Olympics unseated. Well, everyone's unseated except Kyle Snyder. We have no seats. Gable has nothing. 
Gilman hasn't com- uh, competed. David Taylor's the, well, arguably the number one in the entire world in his weight class. Kyle yeah. Dake beat the number, arguably the one or two guy, Jordan Burroughs. No, but you see what happened was the world championship last year. Last year was in Kazakhstan. Guess who didn't go to Worlds? America. Mm-hmm. So that so, definitely hurt us, and they're probably kind of like f you. No, no, that, that's 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 all it is. Yeah. And then there's also like rankings tournaments, and Chimizo goes to every freaking ranking tournament in the world. Yeah, so he always gets one seed. What is Snyder two? Snyder's two. Oh, uh, at least he's David, David, David Taylor has nothing. Gilman that's has nothing. Insane, bro. So we could see. Like realistically, this this tournament, we could see Olympic final quality matches in the opening and second round. You yeah. could see you could uh, see well, a Yazdani Taylor well, quarterfinal match. Well, well, we don't even have to go that far. Freaking this, some literal tool created a UWW fake account. Literally looked like UWW. Posted four brackets. It was Gilman's, uh, Kyle's, DT's, and someone else's, and said. Wow, look at the brackets for this. And, and yeah, I saw that. I saw that the other day on Instagram, like week. Everyone thought it was real. Like, and you I, had, thought <laughs> I thought it was real at first too. I mean, you had Kyle and uh, Cedarcall first round. You had Donnie, David Taylor first round. Gilman had Ugaev, which is a two seed, and then next round he had um, this guy who should be the three seed. That's crazy. A Japanese dude. Like, it's literally like, oh my god. Like we thought, we thought we were screwed. So, so you say that uh, that um. That Dake Russian dude's your number one match. All right, what, what would you say is your number two? Hassan Yazdani and David Taylor. That's my number two. All right, break that down for us. So. Hassan Yazdani, 2016 Olympic champ at 74 kilos. Was he? Yeah, yeah. He moved up, won a world title in 18. 17, he was too small, still adjusting to the weight. Uh, then moved up again. Squared off with Taylor in the World Cup in 2017, I think. Yeah, 2017, he squared up with David Taylor. David Taylor's uh, just got to the world team that year. He beats Yazdani, actually pins him in the Team Iran versus Team yeah, USA match. He was losing and gas came back, gassed him out. Gassed him out, pinned him. Uh, and remember, he's a returning Olympic champ. The next year in the World Quarterfinals, Taylor and Yazdani wrestle again. Taylor beats him, I want to say, like, by five, maybe five, was, five or it six. Was it was dominant, but I think he – Very, very tight first period. Taylor pulled away in the second. But David Taylor himself, 2019, did not compete at Worlds. I believe Yazdani won that year. So you got Yazdani, Olympic champ, maybe two-time world champ on top of that versus one-time world champ David Taylor, who's 2-0 and against him. Unseated. This match could be early. It could be late, depending on where David Taylor's drawn in the bracket. But definitely, always a war between them. Looking forward to that. All right. So, what, what's our number three looking like? This one will probably have a different one. You go first. Um, I mean, I have two in mind that I like. Like, uh, I would say I'm gonna stay with this one first, and I'm just gonna say this because it's literally like it for everybody is 65 kilo. Anybody can win. It's anybody's tournament. Yeah. Um, who's, who's our representative there? Jordan Oliver. Yeah. yeah so um, we don't have anybody, but I mean, 65, it could be Rashidov. It could be Bajram. It could be Oduguru. Um, It could be Musakaev. 
I mean, I don't think Musakayev would beat everybody in that weight class, but he could. You know what I'm saying? Um, get a good draw maybe too. Yeah, he gets a good draw. Like, uh, And then there's also Aliyev who's – He's not – he doesn't have a seed. He could have a terrible draw, but, dude, the guy's a world champ. Like, <laughs> At that level, man, you could just have the greatest day of your life and win an Olympic gold. Exactly. So, it's like – it's anyone's game at 65. Yeah, I heard so, story. Also, uh, Kinshi Gashvili, I think, also is in it too, right, Julian? Yeah. So, like, that's – that weight class is stacked. But I'd say my – as far as a ma- an actual match is concerned, um – I'm gonna have to go Kyle Dake Tremizo. Yeah, for sure. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I rather watch Sidakov because one, um, I think the style matchup's more interesting. I think Kyle's style works really well for Sidakov. Um, and two, I also it's a very anticipated match. It's just like they haven't wrestled and they're easily the it's them three in the weight. After that huge drop off, I mean, me and my friends are doing a little betting draft for like we have a six guy team, and after we picked Chamizo, Sudakov, and Kyle, like no one wanted to pick seventy four because we're like, all right, who's gonna take the other bronze medal? Yeah. Like, so at that point, it's just um, we don't know. Well, I, I, I'm gonna say them too. I don't know how how true this is, but I remember reading and hearing stories about Henry Cejudo. And before, obviously, he was extremely young when he competed in the Olympics. But I heard stories of him just getting destroyed in the room leading up to it, like just getting absolutely. Well, also, yeah, I mean, he was he was young too. Yeah, well, was, that's what I'm trying to back off what I stated earlier. So, like, he, I heard of him just getting mopped, like he, him thinking that he was going to just go out there and get destroyed. And then the day of the like when when it was time to turn on, he just had the best tournament of his entire life, and he won Olympic gold. You know, and yeah. you see it the other way around, too. You see guys that are just the absolute best, but sometimes that's just not your day. And I feel like that that when it comes, it's really hard in this sport to pick a certain person as a lock because one person can just have the greatest day of their life and become an Olympic champion, you know? The hardest lock right now for the whole tournament is Sajra Live. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd say David Taylor's probably number two. You wouldn't think so? David Taylor or Kyle Day. Nah, I don't even think either of them two, no. Really? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going down all the way to 57 kilo. And he's a two seed, but I'm going to go with Yugov. Uh, he's the Russian. Um, he he has probably – he's probably the second best lock. And he's not even a lock because, I mean, uh, Atli is the the three seed, I believe. And Atli is the second – I think Atli could win it. So, like – and then after that, I would go Kyle – or David, I would go David Taylor, then probably Kyle. But um, none of those are locks. The only lock is Sajulai. Like the only lock that if I had to put all my money's worth and I just put it down, I'd be like, yep, Sajulai is probably going to win. Yeah. Because like now I would probably go with Kyle second just because I'm biased though. Yeah, I remember I watched, a, uh, I watched an interview with Kyle the other day where he was saying, as, as you guys know, Kyle is like a nerd about wrestling. The man's a genius. You know, he he breaks it in and out. Mm-hmm. He knows – degree from Cornell, like a, a, the man's a genius. But what he one thing he brought up that I thought was extremely interesting that I never, I never thought about is a lot of the wrestlers, a lot of our boxers, all of our combat athletes are – they're extra excited to compete in Japan because combat sports is so appreciated there. You know, so they're saying that – it's a lot, it's a lot more, it means more to them to compete in Japan, knowing that there's more love and more appreciation for what they're doing there. 
So I feel like that also can draw people to performing better on this platform. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. But that could mean Japan has a great but, tournament. Julian. <laughs> Julian. Plot, plot twist. My biggest lock, Mihain Lopez. Oh, but that's Greco. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, I really hope he does it. No, I mean, there's a Cuban who um, he's going for his fourth Olympic title, which no one has I thought, done. Oh, it's his fifth, isn't it? No, fourth. Um, Still, no that's has, insane. No he has to be like 40. He's got to be close to 40, like 36, almost 40. Yeah, he's old. Apparently, like, bro, he doesn't even like he'll wrestle like three days out of the week. <laughs> like, he's just so good. He's so good. But I mean, he's it's crazy because like he is good, like to the point where Cuba pays him a lot of money. Yeah, yeah but that happens in a lot of other countries too, like in Russia and stuff. Like they get compensated and they get like appreciated. Well, Russia wrestling, like you, you got appreciated no matter what. Um, but Cuba, like I mean, he's probably I'd say Mihain is probably top 100 richest people in Cuba, and that includes the government. So when you take out the government, he's probably like top 30. You know yeah. What I'm well, you know, our hearts and prayers are go out to Cuba. You know, Julian's Cuban. I'm Cuban. So, you oh, know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of stuff going on out there. So, we hope the best for their athletes, and they can hope, you know, use that platform to help their country out a lot. Um, just a lot of a lot of sad stuff going on out there, regardless if you if you know about it or not. You know, it's it's messed up. But um, yeah, I just want to I want to thank you guys for coming on today. I know you you guys are very busy, and this might have uh, gone into your time a little. But uh, real quick, just uh, when when do we start wrestling so everyone can can know and Make sure to get their eyeballs out there. November 18th at Ithaca, New York, Cornell versus Stanford. Oh, no way. Is it 19, I think? Is it 18th? November 18th. No way. That is Freeman Wrestling Center or Bartels Arena, Cornell versus Stanford. And I'm I'm probably wrestling the returning national champion. Fans allowed? Yeah. Fans allowed. If if we wrestle, fans are allowed. I'm there. I'm, I'm there. I'm there. What? I mean, your boy's mm-hmm. probably gonna wrestle the returning national champ, so you better damn be there. Well, Dude, you're looking at the, that is you're looking at the yeah. two people, Grayson. You're looking at the two people that are gonna wrestle him. If he's not wrestling Julian, he's wrestling me. Yeah, but you guys, that needs to be on ESPN. Like your coach just left, Jordan Stanford. Stanford's I think it, I think it might be. I now think y'all are battling be. them first match. I think it might be on ESPN actually. That is that is extremely hype. Like you guys should, I would be, I'd be like not able to move. I'm so excited for that. I mean, I honestly, oh, really I, I that's a statement. It. If y'all go out there and whack Stanford and your old coach that just left y'all, that's oh, a oh oh no, we're gonna whack Stanford. That's a statement because it's either gonna be, and I, I hope they hear this too. Um, like Shane's their only chance of winning. What about uh? What about um? Uh, <laughs> Real Woods. What is the name? Yeah, uh, I, I I think granted, if all things go their way, they could have a few wins, maybe. But like, I really don't see it happening. <laughs> that, that is going to be. I mean, Rail Rail would have Yanni. Shane's the best guy. Shane would have either Julian or me. Uh, Jaden Abbas would have either Yanni or or um, Colton Yapujan. Who has Who has Vito? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't. But yeah, thank and, you guys. Uh, wrestling starts, what, freestyle wrestling starts Tuesday at 10 p.m., qualification round? Yep, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. Eastern, Olympic wrestling, freestyle, guys. Check it out. Thank you, guys. It's going to be every day, 10 p.m. and 5.15 a.m. Those are the start times. So, woo! Yep.
All right. Thanks for having me, Grayson. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, hopefully I see you soon.